first few days, the assembly were a mess. Predictably, frustratingly, given sanctuary from the sharp urgency of the city's politics, we had our moment to fall apart. Action and necessity had bound us together. But in catching our breaths, we rediscovered our divides. It was like we were back in those early days before radicalism became revolution. Those arguments over praxis, only without that numbing salve of theory. We had our chance at power to rewrite the city entire, and none of us could agree on what that meant. The early sessions were long and chaotic, all of us fueled by a freedom centuries opt for. It would take time to find our structure and rhythm. There were proposals about fundamental rights of the people of the city alongside doors for docking permits. Debates about abolition of the Swifts alongside doors about bridge tolls. Each issue won someone held critical, and as they stood and argued before us all about it, fire stirred in their heart. How could you tell a voice so long held silent to quieten down? Bolif Elkater were the one who recognised most how ill we could afford to fall apart right now. Say, create a system, the Decantius, which, well, I won't bore you with it, but it spread voice to where voice were best heard. Say so too, how we needed to regain a purpose. How, if action had been the thing that bound us together, we needed to regain and rebind ourselves to a common path plan slowly coalesced through the halls of the assembly. Realised by all of the council there, but shaped by Bolev in truth. We needed to declare our intent to the city. That we were the people, and we carried the people's authority to rule. So... Bolef led a march. A great mass of people swirling with more banners than had ever been seen. They marched on the mower. From across the city, the voiceless came to be heard. In the assembly, those that represented them clambered to where power gathered to take it for their own. Welcome to these Flimsy Rituals and Actual Play podcast, focused on telling small stories in big worlds. Joining me today is Beck Mihalik. Hi, I'm Beck, and you can find me on Twitter at r underscore Mihalik. And Ryan Evans. Hey, I'm Ryan. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at BrainXray. And I'm your host, Adam Dixon. You can find me on Twitter at @gdixon, And you can find the show on Twitter at Flimsy Rituals. We are continuing our Game of Blades in the Dark by John Harper today, and as always, you can find all of the music this season by searching for Kai Engel Satin. To the website. 
okay, I can do the website. You can find it at flimsyrituals.com. And and what else do we have? Like while, while we're doing the website as well, we've got a Discord, which you can find links to through our website and Twitter. Yeah. Um, and find information about when we do Twitch streams sometimes. All things like that. Yeah. So today we are recording the first hour of two scores and splitting the crew in two again. So this score is going to be focused around Ivar and Oaken, who I don't think we've seen together, or at least solely together in the score before, and I think I can't wait to see how that plays out. And we'll never see them together again. <laughs> I mean, we say that about like every two-person score that Oaken is on, and then you just end yeah. up the best of friends. Like you, you and Ezra's relationship has really blossomed since you got drunk yeah. together in a pub. The original art couple. So this score is going to focus on your attempts to steal something from the Pale Lanterns. I think we saw Ivar prepping for this at the end of the last downtime. Uh, the idea of the Pale Lanterns, who are this faction that... I think in my notes for them, were essentially founded as a group similar to the Winter's Lodge. Their purpose was to basically help ghosts when, you know, they were new to being ghosts. And I think that purpose has sort of slowly shifted over time. I think they, they were always a bit more, much more cops than the Winter's Lodge were. Like, I think... Their purpose was to help ghosts, but I think it was also that thing of like, mm, if if they're doing something wrong, we are the people that deal with that. And I think over time, they've basically just become, we deal with ghosts when they go wrong. So kind of rivals for Tales End. And in that downtime, I think Ivar slowly developed the plans to go and steal weapons from them. I don't know whether we discussed what that weapon was in any way. I think Ivar had like a general idea that it would be spirit guns and I mm. don't know. You know, we we know that they have more technology than us, so, you know, maybe armor or something like that. But I don't think Ivar really has a clear idea of what stuff they have there. He He just knows it's good. Yeah, and I know at the same time we did a little world-building game in the background just to work out all of the faction stuff. In that game, we know that some of the factions, like some of the council, have also been gathering stuff for the defense of Hinterward and Tales End. And like maybe this is in some ways a part of that. And I think where the Pale Lanterns are interesting is they have weapons that are very specified. And I imagine have armor that's very useful, and maybe as you were gathering information, they just seemed like the group that had what you wanted. Like, you just get rumors of them having something that is very powerful and useful. And I've got some ideas about what you might find. We'll find out if and when you get there. So, I think we start with an image of Marrow Ward from a distance. We can see the large hill that rises there, that rises, until recently, taller than anything else in Embrace. And at the very centre of that hill, on its very peak, are the complexes of the Temple of the Maelstrom. It's a grand, absolutely colossal temple, 
with this cluster of only slightly smaller buildings around it. And the rumor of this temple is that it was built on the place where Kadroya's body came to rest, at the heart of Kadroya's maelstrom. And one of the main distinguishing features of this temple is at the very center of it is a large dome. And when you go into that space, it covers a whirlpool of water. It's the only place in this entire city where water runs as it's meant to. Everything else is royal, and here it, it runs according to Kadroya's pattern. Slightly further down the hill is a ring of other civic and governmental buildings. I think we saw them before when we did the score with Ivar and Ezra as they broke into the Arad chambers for the voting score. And there are a whole cluster of different buildings like that and like the main council chambers of Embrace. And as we look on this hill from afar, we can see that today, this huge mass of people are marching on those buildings. Today, the revolution, led by the assembly, are marching up that hill with the intent of declaring themselves as the Council of Embrace, the actual government of Embrace. And so we can see this huge parade of people lining the streets, carrying very multicolored banners. There are reds, there are corals, there are the indigos of the dye factories. And I think each one of them has, in fact, been hand-dyed by the workers. And each of those colors is chosen in defiance of the Great Family's monochrome. And I think the people fill the streets. And there is the sound of chanting, there's the sound of music, and there's just jubilance in the air. And I think this is when your score is taking place. I think under the cover of all of this, you have an opportunity to break into the Pale Lanterns headquarters and get what you need. And I think we said that the Pale Lanterns were based around this temple, right? I think we found out that they were based underneath it. Yeah. Like inside the, the mound. Yeah, I like that. And we can do a little bit of like gathering information and stuff, and we can like prep for this a bit more. But this is the scene, I think, or like the scene of the city when all of this is taking place. And we can decide what, what your score looks like inside of that. Before we get to working out your score and what you're doing, you still have the entanglement that you rolled to deal with. I think the entanglement you rolled was a show of force, which is another faction seeks to control one of your claims, and you can either let them have it, or you can go to war with them. And I think I've got a good idea of what that is. So if it's okay, I was maybe hoping to have a scene with Oka. If that if that works, yeah. Where is Oaken at the minute? Is he in the lodge? Uh, where where did we end it last time? Um, we we saw Oaken doing the teaching was where we ended it last time. As you describe uh, yourself yeah. as one of the greatest warriors of all time. Well, it's very true. Yeah. 
Where are we now in relation to that? Is it like the next day? So I think in the council episode, we, we, we played with like a week of time. So like there's a week of time between then and the score, I imagine. Some of that might have been when your downtime was happening, but we can be loose in that. Like one of the suggestions I maybe have is, does Oaken ever check up on the gall that you planted in the garden? No, I think he would be afraid to. <laughs> cool. I think he would kind of be anxious about it and maybe keep track of who goes near it. Okay. But he he wouldn't actually go and check on it. Would he ever go and look at it? Is there like a place that he can glance it from? Oh yeah, maybe from like a little a rooftop. Yeah. Somewhere. A little alcove or something. We'll do a bit of brooding. Yeah. Okay. Is this the same rooftop as where, where Oaken's bedroom is, or is this just like a different? Oh rooftop? yeah, maybe maybe it's um just from his bedroom he can see it. Hmm. Wait, and it's like not something he necessarily planned, but now it's there. He can't not take a peek, right? Yeah, I I think what in my mind what's very funny about that is I imagine Oaken's bedroom is in a tower still, but also somehow when you look out the window, you're also looking at like the cloistered garden. And you're much closer to, yeah. to the ground from that window than you should be. But if you look out of your other window, you're like in a huge tower overlooking Embrace. Just the Winter's Lodge is weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think as you look out over it, the, the thing that you see is something is growing from where you planted the goal. And I think what it looks like is imagine if a tree grew upside down. And the roots of the tree are growing out into the air and separating out into different ways from, like, the rhizome of it. And then at the same time, the sapling and the tree is growing downwards, but you can also see where the tree is, as if it's, like, a crack in the earth. You can see the pattern of the tree through the ground itself. Hmm. That sounds very conspicuous. Yeah. I think it's fairly small at the minute, but that, that's what's happening there. Hmm. That's, um, I kind of, I think he hoped when he planted it, it would be inert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> does Oaken do anything about it, or does he just keep looking at it from his window every now and again and frowning? I mean, what could, what, what would he do? Yeah. He, there's no retrieving it now yeah and i guess like oaken's not a gardener right he's not like i'm gonna go see what's happening <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't go tend to it <laughs> just just looking like hmm don't like that <laughs> yeah like uh that's bad i guess i'll try and ignore it for today <laughs> i'm just that every morning that that's got a big oaken life mood <laughs> yeah. just just all over it okay so I don't think that's the entanglement, but I just wanted to give a little bit of insight into what the goal is doing right now. Um, I think what I want to have happen is we saw someone follow you in the cup, and that someone is Karnim Dekar, who is founder of the Jackals, and I want to say ghostly leader, but I don't know whether Karnim Dekar is a ghost himself. He ate the heart of Rodella and the heart of Kadroya, and it's probably something between 
eternal human and spirit. I, I don't really know what that is. I think he finds you. And I'm curious where that is. Is it just like as you're walking through the lodge, does he find you? Or does he turn up in your room while you're looking out the window at the goal? Oh, maybe he finds me in a corridor of the lodge that Oaken thought no one knew about. Mm, that's good. Some Somewhere that's vulnerable, but impersonal, if you get yeah. what I mean. Yeah. What What is Oaken doing there? Wandering, just walking around. He's so aimless, <laughs> you know? And he, he's the kind of person who, who needs to be asked to do things. He'll yeah. never join in of his own, his own steam. Yeah, I'm kind of imagining this is after doing like a day of training people or something like that. And then it, you have these moments in your day where you spend a few hours training people and that's quite focused and you've got something to do. And then after that, you're like, OK, I'm just going to go wander the lodge for a bit. Yeah, I imagine after training, you know, people split off into their friendship groups and he kind of hangs around for a bit thinking yep. maybe maybe someone will invite me <laughs> but yeah. he'll never just ask to join or to tag along and i think the issue is i imagine for the other members of like the jubilant i imagine they're incredibly busy right now because you know the revolution is happening and also for like anyone else you are literally oaken a mythical figure and no one's gonna imagine like the courage it would take to go up to Oaken and be like hey hey do you want to get a drink yeah he's kind of it's weird he's back in this place where he's got like the adoration and the deference and he's even got like this kind of version of this old room mm. so it's a familiar mindset but it feels very hollow yeah and I do want to paint this a little bit differently to Jackal Compounds, because I said, like, imagine what it would take to ask or invite Oaken to do stuff. Maybe it does happen every now and again. Like, I could see Rian inviting you to do stuff, or maybe, like, Everon. So there's the occasional invite to be like, hey, would you like to get some food or something when people have breaks? So it's probably, like, slightly different. Oh, yeah. But I, I don't know whether they can be attentive to you all the time, right? Yeah, may I think maybe he's he's trying to figure out what it is that feels so bad, and rather than landing on the truth of you want to be involved and have a purpose and have friends, he's like, oh, they're just not paying enough attention to me. That must be it. Yeah, they're not being like different enough. Even though they probably are paying a lot more attention oh, to yeah. you than the jackals ever did, but yeah. Oaken needs some agency, is what is what needs to happen. Yeah. Okay. I think you're in one of these corridors, probably... I love the image of, like, Oaken exploring this bit of the Winter's Lodge, and the Winter's Lodge still sort of reforming around Oaken, so, like, Oaken's exploring something that, in some way, he is also creating. Yeah. Maybe you find yourself in a familiar sort of room, but like not familiar in like actuality, but it's very familiar in terms of the sort of room, because it's the sort of room that you would have found in a jackal's compound. I think it's like a large open hallway, almost a sort of receiving room with some benches or chairs down the side, and maybe there's like a large fireplace. The fire's sort of dying out in it, 
And I think all around the room are shields and heraldry. And I think a lot of it you don't recognize. Like, you don't, none of this is heraldry that anyone has actually had. It's all just the lodge has shaped itself into like the sort of room that the jackal's compound would have. Are, are you like sat down? Or are you just walking through it? Walking through, I think. Okay. So I think as you're walking through the space and heading towards like the next door, you sort of look up and you see that there is a huge shadowy figure. And they step forward, kind of forming out of the shadows. And when they say huge, like, this person is huge. They are, like, two or three people tall. Ooh. Pop. Yeah. And they look like an absolutely gigantic jackal walking on two legs. Like, if a man was a jackal. And that was very literal and... Very strong, very tall, very broad, very, I guess the word here is like heroic. And they just, you know instantly that this is Khan Nimdaka. And I think what is interesting here is like, I don't know whether this is what Khan Nimdaka looked like when he was alive and actually doing the stuff that he did. I imagine not, but I think over the centuries or like millennia, the myths that have built around him have reformed him into this he has become mythologized and that has changed like his own appearance and presentation and i think as he steps forward and one of his armored feet touched the ground in front of him that footstep echoes and it's as if it's the only sound in the room it's colossally hard not to pay attention to him as he steps forward he says Oaken Nim Shalif. You know who I am? So so Oaken does know him. Like he was he was around before Oaken. Yeah, he is the founder of the Jackals. He is like the person in Embrace who is probably more famous than Oaken right now. Mm. He is the person that killed Kadroya and Rodella. And you don't recognize this incarnation of him, but you do. Like you immediately just know who this is. Yeah. There's something, like, spirit-based happening here. Does Oaken, like, nod, or does he pretend not to? No, he he will say, call them Dacre. He nods. And it's like, I have been impressed with you. Me? He gives the most imperceptible nod. Just like the slightest bow of a head, and he's like, There have been many jackals. Many have followed my footsteps. You are one of the few that has managed to have my permanence. Yes, of course, that, that makes sense. It's, it's, so, it's so good to be recognized by someone like you. But what are you, what are you doing here? Recognition, yes. I still recognize those first centuries I spent flailing around in the dark. 
And he takes like another footstep forward and it echoes through this room. It's not loud, but it's very firm, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's as if like the crackling of the fire is gone, all of the other sounds of the lodge have gone, and it's a bit like do you know when you're in a room with someone you really like and you can hear everything that they're doing? It's that. Yeah. I don't know whether it, it's necessarily like sexual, but it's that kind of there's just tension here. And I guess it's more like reverent rather than anything else. Like there's a div- divinity to what he is doing. Yeah. And he reaches forward and he places one of these huge hands at the side of your face. Are you wearing the jackal mask? Yeah, I'm wearing the one Ezra made. He touches it and he tilts his head. I like this new design. But I don't know whether you're the one to wear it. I see how lost you are. And I come because I want to know whether you're interested in being found. Am I not already found? You told me yourself that I'm... I'm the greatest, didn't you? No, I am the greatest. And he just laughs. It's just this big laugh. Yes, yes, of course. At least that's what they say. And he, like, releases his hand and steps back a bit. Greatness is irrelevant. It's all legend and rumour and the stories they tell about you. It does not matter. I have seen many before like you who have taken on the mantle of greatness who are then, at best, forgotten. At worst, that greatness becomes chains around their neck, and all it takes is one misstep, and their greatness turns to infamy. How is Oaken reacting here? This is basically like if Oaken's dad had ever given him... (laughs) attention he's mm. he's in awe he's he's almost like sycophantic yeah this city stands at a precipice it is beset by headless rabble and petty tyrants we must make sure that whichever of them comes out on top They are amenable to our designs. You know the work we do. We must be able to continue it, free from interruption, or the world will fall to ruin. You understand the importance of this. I think I'm trying to to grapple with, like, I think Oaken's definitely more anti-Jackal as a structure. Yeah. 
I'm trying to think about how to word that. Like Oaken pointing out the flaws of the jackals? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, there's like a... In all your years, have you not seen the need for a change? Hmm. Yeah. But th does Oaken frame it like that? Does he frame it from his own perspective as well, or is it just... <laughs> oh, yeah, like, look at it from anyone else's. But they've got <laughs> they've got the shared thing of mm. existing for such a long time. Yeah, like, Oaken, compared to anyone, has seen how static the jackals are to some degree. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to remember, like, what the changes were in the skeletons episode we did, and, like, the big one was welcoming in new people, right? That it wasn't mm. as focused on the great families. And the jackals are more or less still the same. And I don't know whether, like, Oaken would be bothered that those people that come in are probably, like, still members of nobility, but somewhere else or whatever, but he would definitely be bothered about the changes that the jackals have made haven't really changed them as an organisation. Yeah, and he's he's seen other people fight envoys and mm. stuff like that now. Yeah. So it's definitely in his mind it was something only the jackals could do because their nobility and they're born into the right circumstance and all of this. Trained for it. Yeah. Yeah. And he's kind of had this realisation that they're not the only people that can do it. Yeah, and that there are different techniques to doing it as well. Yeah. Because like the other side of it, I imagine, for Oaken is he went and he killed Relict, and that had not solved the problems with, yes. with Relict. Like, Mel is still here. <laughs> yes. And like going into the cut, like there are fragments of Kadroya still here. There is the Gull. There are, there, there's fragments of Rodella. There is Lilium down there. Like, none of that is... None of that has gone just because you've killed a remnant. Maybe, yeah, that's the thing. Is that sort of the shape the conversation takes? Is Oaken arguing? Oh, Oaken is not arguing. Mm. He, is, he is, for once, trying to be very gentle in what he says. And he's trying to appeal to this... <laughs> in what his mind is the shared bond of being the greatest jackals alive, of having <laughs> lived for so many years and seen so many things change. Yeah. My favourite thing about this is I imagine Karnin Baker absolutely said that just to like flatter Oaken a little bit. Like It's probably true, but if there are like ghost jackals as well, I imagine some of those are older than Oaken. Oh, yeah. But yeah. Oaken is absolutely not yeah. the best, but he thinks he is. Yeah. This sounds like a role, I think. Okay. I'm just very curious about how Karnim Daker takes this. Because okay. I imagine this this might be a conversation that takes a while, right? Oh, yeah. It could even be you're coming back a couple of times or something. Yeah, yeah. Now, I wonder if I could use a tune for this. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of like that, because there's the conversational aspect of this, right? There is you talking to Karnim Daker, but I also assume there's a degree that you can show Karnim Daker, and that sort of feels what an attune would be. Yeah, I feel like the way Oaken and Karnim Daker are, 
a lot of the conversation is on a different level than just verbal. Yeah. Especially with um, in the lodge. Yeah. And the way it naturally reacts. Yeah. God, I, I imagine that there is one note to this, which I've not really touched on, is... I think the Lodge absolutely hates Karn Nimdaker. Oh. Because you're probably attuned to this to some degree. Like, no, wait, no. Is it a hatred? I'm... It's so interesting, because the goal is the envoy of Kajor and Riddell combined, and I assume is therefore the envoy that got Karn Nimdaker to kill them? Oh. Yeah. I don't know what that relationship is like between the pair of them, because Karn Nimdaker was trying to retake the goal. Yeah, I think it is, if not hatred, like, distrust, maybe? Yeah. It's the feeling of, like, two people that have come together to do an extremely dark but necessary task, and then afterwards they both have to face the, their guilt together. And mm. I imagine, in my head, what happened after the killing of Kadroya and Rodella was probably not what either of them wanted in some ways. And I imagine each of them sees the one as doing things that was, if not betrayal, was something close. Like Karnim Daker then going on to found the Jackals and stopping Remnants being in this place is probably a betrayal to that degree. The goal still tending some of the Remnants, of the, of the yeah. dead Remnants, and like hiding in the cut and like not giving its power to Karnim Daker is probably... Something there as well. And you're still sort of tied into the goal, so you can probably feel a bit of this distrust. Whether or not it's yours or not is is up to you. But yeah, did you say you wanted to roll in a tune? Yeah. I don't know what the position would be. I, I, I don't think it has one. I think it's just a gather information style roll. Okay. Ah. Well. Not... That's a one and a two. Cool. Um, yeah. I think there's something interesting here. I think for a while, when you talk, there is something in Karnim Daker that is receptive. There is an element of him, perhaps it is the element of him from before that that still listens a little bit so you can have this conversation but i think the version of karnim daker that exists now that has convinced himself that he is right and that the city in building the legend of him has basically created this version of him that is sure and confident and is convinced is doing the right thing Ultimately, despite how much you have this conversation, there is just a moment where this mythologized version of him takes back control. And I think where it ends up and where it ends is there's just a moment where Karnim Daker and you are stood eye to eye, and he looks at you and he says, Kneel. And I think this is the entanglement, the show of force. The claim that Karnim Daker wants is Oaken's loyalty. What does Oaken do? And I'm I'm also happy to do what we did with Nia here as well, of if we want to, we can fade to black 
and leave that for a question to be answered later? It's up to you. Yeah. I think a fade to black is really nice. Mm. Just Oaken and the Jackal looking at each other. Yeah, and I think it's such a conflicting moment for Oaken. Yeah. I think it it might almost be nicer to do a fade to black and then see the result after it's happened. Yeah, definitely. Like, seeing the result of this is more interesting than seeing how he does it. Yeah. Cool. Now I'm into that. I enjoy just, like, Karnim Daker being the one person who's been like, I'm giving you an order now. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. God, Karnim Daker. Like, I, I spent ages trying to be like, what is Karnim Daker like? Do I want to do the thing where, like, he's actually kind of weedy and that'd be kind of fun? Like, when everyone thinks he's a hero? And, like, maybe he is, in actuality, just, uh, like, a priest yeah. or something? But I just love the idea of, like, Ryan feels like the world the kind of world where if people have spent a thousand years saying how heroic you are, you probably warp to that to yeah. some degree. So yeah, he's just a big fucking jackal. So hot. Cool. I hope you get a fan art. Yeah, I, really, I was just thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> I want fan art of this guy. Come on. Oh, the jackal fan art. Yeah. Should we do some uh, score prep? Yeah. Let's think about it. Yeah, so I guess what I'll do is I'll just give like a quick overview of what you know, and then if you want to do any gather information, we can do that. But if you're just like, okay, let's do this score, let's do it this way, then we can also do that as well. So the target of your score is the Temple of the Maelstrom, right at the top of the hill that is in the center of Embrace. You know that they're meant to be inside that hill, under that hill? I don't know whether you know exactly, but you do know how to get to, to the cathedral itself and the compound there. So there are a couple of big things happening. There is the march on, on the civic buildings of Embrace in order to install the assembly as the Council of Embrace. I think that march is huge. It is probably the biggest march this city has seen. So one way in might be working your way within that march and then sneaking, forcing your way in, whatever. The march is on the civic building, so it'll end sort of a ring below the cathedral or temple itself. The other way you know about, which may be a way in, maybe a way out, and I just want to mention it here because it is on the map, is leading up to the top of the hill is a little trolley car. Uh, which I imagine is a bit like Ezra's carousel in like it's very new and novel in Embrace. Probably is powered in some weird way. But yeah, that, that goes up and down the hill. Oh, can we do some weird-ass James Bond shit on this cable car? Oh my god, yes! <laughs> Alright, so we've chosen the, the cable car route. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's any question about that. Yeah, and I think like the the other stuff happening is just a nice distraction. I imagine your goal is to get in and get what you can to help Tails End. It probably won't hurt you to like hurt them a little bit. Like destroying stuff might be useful. Like sabotage might be good. Mm -hmm. Whatever you want to do once you're in there. Hmm. Are, are you doing anything to plan for this? 
like you know where they're based. I don't know whether you necessarily know anything about where they are, but we could also flashback to do some of that. If we just want to roll straight into a skull, we can do that and flashback to gather information. But if there's anything you're like, I want to prepare in this way or anything like that, are you taking anyone with you? So I think initially what Ivar would have done is, I don't think Ivar would have asked Oaken to come. Mm-hmm. I think Ivar asked Rian for help. Okay. And then Rian just showed up with Oaken. Oh, is Rian coming too? I think Rian would come. Yeah, I like Rian coming. That's quite nice. Yeah. Yeah, I think, like, prep-wise, I think Ivar would have been out watching how this cable car system works. Yeah. Is it, like, a tram or is it a cable car? What's the difference in your head? Uh, well, like, a tram is on rails going up the side of the mound. A cable car is hanging from the cables. Oh, yeah, it's it's like a tram-style thing. Okay. Never running along cables for open, then. You can run. You can run on the rails. <laughs> yeah. Like maybe it's like a. I I imagine it's sort of on rails going up, but maybe there are like cables pulling it back and forth. If that makes sense. Oh okay yeah. yeah. Like there is a winch system almost that pulls it up and down the hill. Oh, like I think I've seen something like this before. Like there's a big counterweight that moves down in the opposite direction as the tram comes up. Yeah, maybe that's it. Very quick way down the hill if you cut that counterweight, just uh, just foreshadowing that. Oh my god, yeah! <laughs> oh yeah. Chekhov's counterweight. <laughs> yeah. Gonna ride that weight all the way home. Okay, so yeah, I think what Ivar's doing is he's, he's scouting out, see how, seeing how popular it is. Hmm. Um, is it popular because it's new? I think there was probably a point where it was. Like, what's in my head is during, like, the old, like, World's Fairs and stuff like that, I remember seeing that one of the popular attractions was just, like, an escalator because it was novel and new and people would go and ride on this escalator because that was a fun thing to do. And I imagine it's a little bit like that of... Embrace feels a bit like that, where this new spirit-infused technology is, like, taking off and people are excited about it. But I think it's a little bit like the carousel at the same time in there's a lot going on in the city and there's a degree to which that excitement has gone to other places because people are more worried about like who's ruling them at the minute. I'm trying to think of what its day-to-day use is. I think it is probably being used. It's probably used by the priests to get up and down to the temple, especially the higher-ups in that authority structure. And it's probably used by some of the councillors as well. Um. I guess the thing that occurs to you is probably on the day of the march, it is a good way of getting stuff up and down that isn't through like a street filled with people. Maybe that's a dress Oaken up as a priest. <laughs> God, maybe that could be Oaken's prep is just like trying on different outfits as disguises. <laughs> Do I look sufficiently poor in this? Oh no. I hear every second of this. <laughs> uh, um yeah, is there anything else you want to work out about the cable card? Do you like try and get an idea of how it works? Or I 
I think you can probably just get that, right? I... Yeah. Yeah. Maybe go try and go for a ride on it. Like, mm. if that's still allowed, see if we get, like, turned away or anything. I want to know if it's, like, a now exclusively for the priests. Yeah. Um, do you want to make a roll for gather information here? And we can see what we get. Yes, let's have a look. And let me know what you're rolling. Is this a survey? Survey a location or situation to understand what's going on. I could see it being like a survey or a consort, whichever you preferred. Yeah, it's same for me, so I think I'll go for a survey. Cool. It's just one dice, but mm-hmm. here goes. A five. I think a five is like you get decent knowledge of what is happening here. So I'm just trying to think about what you get here and to what level. What does a five look like? Does Ivar manage to have a ride on this cable car? Yeah, maybe. (laughs) I think it's literally Ivar going up and like paying a fare. Um... Pretending to be a tourist? I don't know. Yeah. I mean... Just imagine Ivar now in a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> Just sunglasses oh, oh, yeah. on. <laughs> I imagine it's like, there's a bit of a jerk when it first like kicks off, which, does that spook you? I Maybe Ivar is in fight or flight mode. <laughs> Just in the sense of... Uh, yeah, I mean, this is obviously very new, newfangled. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously the most advanced thing he's seen so far is the carousel, which is a bit slower. <laughs> but yeah, then it starts to like chug up the hill. I think the cable car is split into two sections, is the first thing you notice. There is, I imagine, a kind of driver's seat in each side of those. And the front section, the front section for when you're going up, is one that you're not allowed into. It You see someone in fairly fancy garb get into that section of, of the car. Ah, uh, priest class. Mm. Yeah, and you maybe see... Actually, this is maybe a nice thing. You maybe see one of the syndics get into that bit as well. So the syndics are the people you've fought in the voting score. Maybe you just, like, hide yourself a little bit when, when they go past. Yeah, I think Ivar tips his, uh, tips his straw hat down. But yeah, um, but you sit in the back half of this, and I think you manage to get a good idea of what it's like to be in this cable car and how it works. You see that there seems to be some kind of pulley system. Maybe there's a weight on one side of this that goes down the hill and it pulls the cart up. And there's like a the sound of like, almost like a chugging sound as it winches you up. It probably takes a few minutes to get to the top. But this back section, they seem to let anyone in. You just have to pay like a small amount, like a coin or two to, to get access to it. And there are probably some people like you who are there's probably like a small family in front of you who are like <gasps> just looking round wildly as they're lifted up this hill. What else would you like to know? Maybe maybe another thing I can kind of give you is I imagine if you speak to Ezra after this, 
you probably get some like information about how it works. Ezra could probably tell you. I wish Ezra was here because I'd love to have a scene with Ezra just in here, like mm, this is shoddy work. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, through and in- insert Ezra remark here, right now. Ezra and Ivar going up a hill in a cable car. What what does Ivar say? Oh, after the start there, you know, it's proper smooth now. <laughs> I tell you what, uh, maybe you should get some ideas from this for the carousel. Perfect, great. Um, and then I think, yeah, you get some information here. If you've got any questions, feel free to ask them. I'm happy to give you more information. Um, I guess just, is the other door just, like, controlled by the driver? to let people in and out of that special section? Or is it just they tell you don't go in that door? I think there is someone on the station at both sides who opens that door. There's sort of like a station attendant who looks to be armed on both ends of the platform. But they are the person... They look to be armed, but like not in a massive, like, I'm a trained fighter, but like sort of security guard stroke butler-ish way. And they open the door and let people in and out. I think in terms of that front section, you saw the priest you saw get in there probably had a couple of attendants with them as well. This isn't necessarily heavily protected and any sort of resistance would be based on who the passengers you are with are. All right. So the end of the score is going to be some sort of, like, train robbery. <laughs> just cutting the machine and just slamming down the hill. Yeah, everyone off. <laughs> yeah, and I imagine it comes out somewhere just outside of the temple complex itself. I imagine the hill itself is sort of craggly and rounded, and the buildings are kind of built into the side of it. And there are, there's, like, a narrow circling of streets leading up almost in a similar way to how a whirlpool would be laid out in, like, there's a thin winding road. But on the hilltop itself, I imagine there is, like, a flattish plaza with a big central square with, like, lots of fountains and space. And there's the temple in the centre of that, and then there are kind of buildings dotted around the outside. There's probably, like, the pretense of some kind of walls connecting those, but I imagine they're, like, sort of low walls for privacy rather than protection with, like, vines growing up the outside. And the cable car itself comes out just on the outside of some of those walls. It's not within a temple compound itself, but it's near enough to just get off, scale some walls, and you're inside. I say scale some walls, I imagine, in Ivar's case, walk through a wall. Yeah, but, I mean... Oaken and Rian are going to need to do some scaling. Yeah, so. but like they're, they're like person height, right? They're just like gotcha. stopping people from looking inside. Is there anything else that anyone wants to do? Or should we make an engagement roll? Do you have a, an idea of how you're going about this? I think I have a rough idea. Do you have any suggestions, Beck? No. No, I'm happy to go with the flow. Do you reckon Oaken's just here because Rian has invited him? Yeah, Oaken is only here because Rian asked him to be and probably butted him up a bit. Yeah. I love the idea of like Oaken like moping around and being like, no one asks me to do anything. And here's Rian just being like, do you want to come do a score? Do you want to come uh, rob the <laughs> temple? 
listen, I think <laughs> Ivar might be getting himself over his head and I think he, he might need you to bail him out. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I was going to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I think Rian would know not to ask Oaken. They'd know to entreat Oaken. Yes. <laughs> That's such a good word. So my my idea is, uh, well, it's on our character sheets, so I was going to go for a stealth entry point. Cool. Yep. I think if we all get, mm. uh, if we get Oaken dressed up as a priest. Oh, yeah. And me and Rian are the attendants. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Always, you know, Oaken demanded to be the priest as well. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I also like the idea that Ivar tried to make priest clothes for himself, like make himself wear priest clothes, but he just couldn't quite get it right. <laughs> so it was just like, oh, fuck this. <laughs> yeah. No, I like that a lot. So I think instead of making the engagement roll right now, let's leave it here for this session and we'll come back next time and make the engagement roll and start the score. Let's leave on, I guess, an overview of the morning of the score. The three of you, dressed as a priest and their attendants, making your way toward the base of Marrow Hill, through a city alive and crackling. The streets today are filled with people. Over in Winter's Lodge, the Assembly has decided that this day is the day that they're going to march on Embrace's political heart and deliver their manifesto and declare their intent to bring Embrace to people's rule. I think from across the city, a great mass of people, numbers that Embrace has not seen before converge on Marrow. And I think if we look down from the top of that hill at the centre of Embrace, from where that cathedral is, we can see this march working its way up the curving labyrinthine path that wends its way down the side of the hill. You can see the various banners the various groups that formed. There we can see a group of workers from a union from one of the factories in Calvary. And there behind them, one of the smaller guilds of merchants had worked their way over from Limbus Market to march alongside them. We can see a group of farmers from Acreage, we can see dock workers from Holm, we can see some of the barricadiers from Hinterward. We can see a group of the followers of Lena's version of Parsent carrying their homemade signs and banners. And we can see amongst them some of the ghosts who have worked their way up here from Tales End. And at the head of this mass of people, we can see the representatives of the assembly. Bolef Errol Cater. Dane, Saravoma Glass. They carry with them their declaration. And while the three of you work your way towards the cable car, they march up the hill towards the Arab Chambers.